If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter number five. Let me remind you, two weeks from today, we will be celebrating homecoming. I hope you are not only planning on being here, but you are also planning on inviting somebody. Inviting someone to join us. We'll be having a We'll be having Sunday school. We'll just have our service beginning at 1030 and have some special music. And uh, Brother Danny Williams will be here to preach the message. And then we'll be enjoying a wonderful meal afterwards. This morning, we're going to look into Joshua chapter 5. There's a story about a couple that after many years of marriage, uh, they decided to uh, renew their vows. And, uh, of course, the wife made all the arrangements. She had the flowers picked out and paid for, and she uh, printed and posted invitations. She reserved the church and calls the preacher. And finally, the blessed, day of it, the blessed event uh, comes to pass. The day comes, and uh, they're all, by getting up that morning, she's so excited, and she looks outside, and her husband is outside, packing fishing gear in the car. And she comes outside and she puts her hands on her hips. You know what that means, gentlemen. That means she means business. She puts her hands on her hips and says, what in the world are you doing? He said, well, I'm loading up my fishing gear. So I can see that. Did you forget that we're renewing our wedding vows today? And he said, of course not. Well, that ain't going to take all day, is it? From what I understand, renewing wedding vows is a practice uh, dates from somewhere around the 1950s. I was reading an article about why people do that, why couples choose to renew their vows. Some of them it's because they, they didn't do it like they wanted to the first time around. Uh, they didn't have the money to spend. They didn't, they didn't have all the arrangements to make. They, some of them eloped. Some of them went to the justice of the peace. And now they're a little more financially secure, though they have a chance to do things a little more uh, elegantly. There are some others that renew their vows uh, after a rough patch in their marriage, uh, a stormy season when they're not sure that the boat's going to stay afloat. And they make it through those times and they, they want to have a renewal ceremony to celebrate how their, their love has grown stronger. And, of course, there are a lot that will do the renewal of wedding vows to celebrate a milestone. They've been married 10 years or 20 years or even 50 years. That can be a very important part of a marriage because it's easy to fall into a rut. It's easy to take each other for granted. It's easy to let your love cool off, maybe sometimes grow a little cold. Nothing wrong with periodic times of renewal. What you're doing when you go through these renewal services, the whole point is to tell your spouse that if I had it to do all over again, I would say I do to you again. Well, renewal is not just important in your marriage. It's important with your relationship with God. Because we have a tendency to start taking God for granted sometimes, taking his gifts for granted we have a tendency, Jesus said, to let our love grow cool 
sometimes even grow cold. And in those times, you need spiritual renewal. Well, how does that happen? How do you experience that for yourself? How do you renew your love for the Lord or rekindle your passion to please Him? That's what we're going to learn about this morning from a moment in the history of Israel. A moment when they said, I do again to God. It is found in Joshua chapter 5. I'm going to ask you if you would to stand in honor of our Lord and on His precious word. And I begin reading in Joshua chapter 5 and verse number 1. Joshua 5, 1, hear the word of the Lord. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that our heart melted, excuse me, that their heart melted, and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. And then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Now, the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Let's pray. Lord, we pray this morning that you would open our eyes, that we would behold wonderful things in your law. None of your words in Scripture are wasted, Lord. They all have something to say to us. You use your word uh, to speak to us by the Spirit. And I would pray today that you'd please, Lord, get beyond my voice and my words, get beyond me. And I pray that people would hear you speak to them today. They would hear you calling to come to you and be renewed 
even as you renewed these Israelites there in the desert. Lord, would you please do that as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You had lived in Joshua's days, and you had been an outsider. You would probably be wondering about these wanderers. You probably heard stories about how they escaped slavery in Egypt and tales of plagues of frogs and flies and fire, stories about how the Red Sea was parted. and It's pretty impressive stuff. But for the past 40 years, it's like their GPS is off. They've lost their way. They've been wandering around in the desert. And if you were an outsider looking in, you might think, well, you know what? It probably would have been better if they just stayed in Egypt. At least they had a home. At least they had some degree of safety. And some of the Israelites themselves think that too. Now they're on the border of Canaan, what they call the promised land. Their reputation has preceded them. In verse 1, it said, All of these kings heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan. Their heart melted, it says in verse 1. There was no spirit in them any longer. Because the children of it, excuse me, no long, there's no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. Everything looks like a go. So why are they camped out here at Gilgal? Why don't they just go ahead and go in? Why don't they just go ahead and march in? What are they waiting for? Well, there's one reason they're waiting. They need to say, I do again to God. They need renewal before they begin the conquest. And their renewal gives you and me three keys to our spiritual renewal. The first key is in verse 1 through 9. The key is recommitment to the covenant. Recommitment to the covenant. You've heard the story, I'm sure, about the chicken and the pig very appreciative of the farmer taking such good care of them. And they will get together and decide they want to do something nice for him. And the chicken says, well, I know what we can do for him. We can give him a, a, a nice big breakfast of ham and eggs. The chicken says, wait, hold it. For you, that only involves a contribution. For me, that involves a complete commitment. Did you know God always requires a complete commitment. Do you know that he will not be satisfied with anything less? With him, it's all or nothing. And this commitment is not just something that happens on the inside of you. It's something that ought to show on the outside. It needs to be expressed. Well, before these Israelites enter the promised land, they need to express their recommitment to God. And this recommitment is expressed through circumcision. If you're going to understand why circumcision is so important, you have to go back to Father Abraham. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 9 and 10, the Bible says, God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. Everybody look up here. Circumcision is the expression of God's covenant with them. 
It is also the expression of their covenant with him. Their commitment is to love and worship and obey God as their king. The way they demonstrate that is through circumcision. Now, I don't want to go into too much detail, but I want to point out something to you. Circumcision requires a total commitment. Once it's done, there's no going back. It's not something you can undo. It is something you can fail to do, though. Look again in verse 4 and 5. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war died in the wilderness. For all the people who came out had been circumcised. All the people that came out of Egypt out of slavery. But all the people born in the wilderness had not been circumcised. The question is why? Why didn't they, if, if circumcision is so important to the covenant, why didn't they practice it? Well, we don't know for sure might be bitterness. You know, they were on the border of the promised land and because of their unfaithfulness, because of their disbelief, God says you can't come in. You're going to wander for 40 years and then you're going to die. The next generation will inherit the promised land. They may be bitter. They may be angry at God. It may be unbelief. You know what? God didn't do it for us. He's not going to do it for them either. They may not believe his promise. Whatever the reason... Before this generation enters the promised land, they must be circumcised. They must renew their commitment to love, worship, and obey God as their king. Now, in much the same way, your spiritual renewal requires recommitment, but not in exactly the same way. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, the Bible says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but, listen what it says, faith working through love. Renewing your commitment to God is renewing your faith working through love. It means that you are recommitted to trusting God in everything, in every area of your life. You are recommitting yourself to love and worship and obey God as your king. We need those times of renewal because sometimes time weakens our commitment to God. At times that we get involved in circumstances, we get involved in situations, our mind gets occupied with so many other things, and you end up depending on yourself. You end up entrusting what people can do. Or what money can do. Your faith starts to grow weak. Your heart starts to grow cold. And it is in those times, in those desert times, it's time to recommit yourself. To recommit yourself to trusting Jesus alone. To recommit yourself to loving, obeying, and honoring God as your king. Recommitment is the first key to spiritual renewal. Somebody once said that the key to a good marriage is falling in love over and over again. Falling in love over and over again, always with the same person. Always with the same person. That is the key to spiritual renewal. You've got to, your love has to be fanned back into flame. You have to recommit yourself to serving and loving God. 
That is the first key. Recommitment. The second key is in verse 10 through 12. And that is in remembering your redemption. Remembering your redemption. When Jennifer and I were dating, we had a lovely romantic location where we both liked to share a meal together. It was a place of exquisite cuisine. Wonderful, wonderful, beautiful place. It was called Junior Food Mart. And they served the most delicious boxed shrimp meal. You get some shrimp, you get some coleslaw, you get some crinkly cut french fries, you get a soda. And we'd usually add an apple pie or lemon pie. I recall many wonderful Saturday nights sitting in that parking lot, chatting about everything, chatting about nothing. Every couple has that special place, that romantic spot where the seeds of love first grow. And when you want to reignite that spark, you might revisit that spot. And it's not just about enjoying a meal of food. It's about enjoying a meal of memories. For Israel, these special memories are not wrapped up in a specific place. They are wrapped up in a specific meal, the Passover. The Passover is a memorial meal. It's meant to not only been to be eaten, but it's meant to remind you of something. And whenever they would uh, partake of this meal, especially these younger people that are now adults, Imagine what memories are flooding back to their minds. They remember the lamb being slain, the blood being put on the top of the door and on the sides of the door. They remember the dark night of death. They remember the screams from every Egyptian household that lost their firstborn. They remember the first rays from the dawn of their first day of freedom. And it's a story they tell again and again and again. Every year they tell this story, they remember it. They sit down to this meal of unleavened bread and bitter herbs and the lamb slain for their salvation. From now on, they're going to eat what they grow in their new home in Canaan. But they will always eat this meal because when they're sitting in Canaan, they're sitting on the promised land. When they eat this meal, they remember how they got there. The Passover is a foreshadowing of a much more complete, much more important redemption. It was a supper eaten on a dark night of death. It was a bread, a loaf of bread, a cup shared by Jesus and his 12 disciples. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same manner he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Just as this Passover meal would remind the Israelites, this is what God did to rescue you. This is what God did to redeem you. This meal is meant to remind us of what God did to redeem us. Now, you don't have to partake of the Lord's Supper to remember. You can celebrate that memory anytime. You can take the time 
when you pray. And you can remember, man, nailed to a cross, crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you can remember that the reason why he's calling that out is not because of the Jews. And it's not because of the Romans. It's because of you. It's because of me. That God takes the full weight of his wrath and places it on his innocent son. Remembering, as 1 Peter 1, verse 18 and 19 says, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. God didn't buy you out of slavery with mere money. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now, I don't want to take anything away from partaking of the Lord's Supper. I really wish that more people would participate in that memorial meal. But as important as that meal is, it is even more important that you remember what it represents. You remember your redemption. Dr. W.A. Criswell was pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. Invited to a home of one of his wealthier members, and he walked in. It was a beautiful place, walnut-paneled sides. It's just gorgeous. And as he's looking through all this luxury, he sees a little oval portrait. And he walks over to it, and he asks the guy, he says, what is this? What is this little oval portrait? He says, that's my mother. She said, I never saw my mother. She died in childbirth when I was born. Someday when I get to heaven, after seeing my Savior, I want, first of all, to see the face of my mother. And Crystal says, he didn't say anything, but he thought in his mind. He said, that's your mother? He said, that's not your mother. It's nothing but a piece of paper piece of cardboard covered in ink. But he said, I know what the man was saying. What he's saying is that represents the mother that I love. I look at that portrait and I remember how much I love her and how much she loves me. If you want renewal, spiritual renewal, it's when you take time to remember how much God loves you how far he was willing to go to save you. You remember your redemption. Well, finally, let me mention one more way to be spiritually renewed. And that is by recommissioning by the king. Marriage is not the only place where oaths are made. They tell me whenever a recruit enlists in the armed forces, they also have to say, I do. The Marines are commissioned by a promise. I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So help me God. Now, what do you suppose happens if a Marine... Forgets that promise. What do you suppose happens if they fail to keep that promise? Well, I'm married to a Marine, so I can tell you what happens. 
They have ways of reminding you. Okay? They have ways of, of bringing you back to what you, to your commission. To reminding you what you promised. Reminding you who's in charge. Reminding you who you serve. This last scene here, uh, you can imagine Joshua one cool night strolling out and in the distance he sees the city of Jericho and as the desert winds blow he gets lost in thought. He's, his mind is scrolling through strategies. Feels the weight of his responsibilities considering strengths and weaknesses, advantages and risks. And out of the dark comes this figure. The soldier. Behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. Well, I... I can only imagine that Joshua draws his sword. And he challenges the stranger to identify himself. Are you for us or for our adversaries? Whose side are you on? No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua, the most important question is not who's on your side. The most important question is, whose side are you on? The most important question is not, is the Lord on your side? The most important question is, are you on the Lord's side? Joshua falls on his face to the earth. He worships. What does my Lord say to my servant or say to his servant? There's humility. There's worship. There's surrender. Because before... Joshua can lead these people in conquest. He has to remember, I'm not in charge. God's told me to lead these people. He hasn't told me exactly how he's going to do it, but he's told me to lead them, but I'm not the one in charge. I serve God. I've been commissioned by him. Whose side are you on? Do you know that's a question a lot of folks ask today? They want to know whose side you're on. Are you on the side of the liberals or the side of the conservatives? Are you on the side of the Democrats or the Republicans? Are you on the side of progressives? Whose side are you on? The world would love to divide us, put us at odds with each other, to force us to choose side. But here's the most important question. The most important question is not who's on my side. The most important question is, am I on God's side? That's the most important question. Abraham Lincoln was once asked a question similar to the one that Joshua was asked. And this is what he said. Sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side. Why? For God's side is always right. God's side is always right. So the question for you and me is, are you on God's side? Renewal comes when you are recommissioned to be on God's side. Being on God's side doesn't just mean waving a flag. It, just, it doesn't mean, well, go, Lord, go. It means you're willing to fight what the Bible calls the good fight of faith. It means you're willing to stand up for the word of God and for the the, the Lord that you serve. It means that you take orders from him. He doesn't take orders from you. 
It means that your constant question to God is, Lord, not, it's not, Lord, what can you do for me? The constant question is, what does my Lord say to his servant? Lord, what do you want me to do for you? That's what it means to say, I do again. To be recommissioned for God's plans and God's purposes, not for yours. So this is, this is what it means to say, I do again. And maybe you're sitting here and saying, you know, that's what I need. That's what I need. I need renewal. I need renewal because my faith is weak. I need renewal because I feel my heart growing cold. I need renewal because I'm tired of running through the motions. I need, to do, I need God to do something in me. I need to be spiritually renewed. How does it happen? It happens when you recommit yourself to Christ, to trust Him alone, to worship and obey Him as your King. It happens when you remember how He redeemed you. You go back to the old rugged cross and you rekindle that love for the Savior that died for you. It happens when you are recommissioned. You've been AWOL been doing your own thing. And you need to get back into the battle. Right now, here and now, Jesus offers us a chance to say I do to him. Again. Would you bow your heads with me, please?